This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by the author of the new book, Spies on the Sidelines, Kevin Bryant. Kevin is an Army veteran with over 20 years of experience safeguarding and gathering information for the Department of Defense, including 13 years as a special agent, during which he conducted national security investigations and instructed federal agents in training. In his new book, Kevin reveals the links that teams in the NFL are willing to go to in order to gain a competitive advantage. His six years of research has uncovered how the NFL is a world much like the cloak and dagger realm of American intelligence agencies. For more information and to purchase Spies on the Sideline, please visit www.spiesonthesidelines.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, joining us today on the Center for Sports Studies podcast, we got Kevin Bryant, author of the book Spies on the Sideline, the High Stakes World of NFL Espionage. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure and really excited to talk with you. You know, we were able to connect over LinkedIn and I've read, I've read a little bit about your book and you sent me a little bit of information and it looks fascinating because I think when we think about, you know, maybe spies on the sideline, I think about stealing signs in baseball, but it sounds like what you were able to find in this book, at least in the NFL, it's a little bit more high tech and, and a little bit more involved than just simply stealing signs. So just tell us about the book and, and, and maybe some highlights. Yeah, absolutely. So Spies on the Sidelines is all about the collection techniques that NFL teams use to gather information on their opponents in the hopes of gaining a game day advantage. So it covers everything from the permissible collection techniques to the controversial to the illicit, you know, things that are not allowed by league rules or regulations. Um, and if you want, Brandon, what I can do is uh, I, I've, got a, I've got a paragraph of my book that kind of yeah. sums up like all the different types of topics you'll see in there. So perfect. Yeah, I'd love to hear. All right. While the phrase three letter agency is a euphemism for American spook organizations such as the CIA and the NSA, the NFL is a three letter agency in its own right. Behind the game day action of the NFL is a world much like the cloak and dagger realm of American intelligence agencies. The NFL has its own history filled with espionage related stories that sound like something right out of the Cold War. Spies disguised as reporters, military officers, and priests, and even a dwarf playing the role of a baby being pushed in a stroller. Covert surveillance of targets movements, hiding draft prospects by shuffling them in and out of hotels and aliases tap telephones, signals interception, decoy signals, encryption, code breaking, and radio frequency jamming, false flag operations, monitoring air traffic and airline passengers, spies scaling rooftops and telephone poles, and clandestine photography undertaken from high-rise hotels with long-lens cameras, peepholes, secret listening devices, surveillance photos relayed by zip line, and whispered conversations masked by running water, stolen documents and trash cans sifted for secrets, subversion of individuals mired in debt and a hilltop secured by Navy SEALs. Okay. So, 
there's a lot to unpack there. Um, you, you know, when we're thinking about the, the NFL, I mean, the, the dwarf played by the role of a baby being in a push in a stroller blows my yeah. mind. Like, how did you find out about these stories? Like, I know you've got a little bit of background in some of this stuff, but like, how in the world did you investigate this and find this out? Yeah. So by and large, you know, these stories are out there somewhere. Um, the hard thing was, you know, bringing them all together. So no one had written a book, you know, there was, there was one book called Spygate um, that was out there that was about, you know, the Patriots and the Spygate scandal, but there was nothing out there for spying at large dealing with, you know, dealing with any sports really much less just football. So I wanted to put together something if I could that covered the whole history of the league stories from all the teams. Um, so what I did was one, I conducted interviews Two, most of the information comes off of either the internet, you know, from past articles that newspapers have written, okay. or uh, the vast majority is actually from books. So I went through okay. and I read about 60 books that were written by or about former NFL head coaches. And I just sucked those, you know, the little bits and pieces that were relevant to the subject, subject at hand and inserted them into, into my book and kind of, you know, just use my experience and background to piece things together um, and to say, hey, you know what, if this team's doing this, you know, most likely they're doing this over here too. So I need mm -hmm. to do some research on this topic, talk to some, you know, personnel in the NFL about this and, and see what's, if there's anything there, um, which really helped out having the background. Uh, but yeah, most of it, it was already out there. It was just a matter of piecing it all together and kind of weaving it as a story. Okay. So what made you uh, want to write this book? I, again, I know kind of with your background in, in, in your former work or, or the work that you do, I know it's kind of right up your alley, but you know, why'd you wake up one day and I'm like, wow, this is kind of fascinating. I, I think this would be something people would be interested in. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Denver Broncos fan myself. Okay. And you know, Josh McDaniels, he was formerly the offensive coordinator of the Patriots moved over, became the head coach of the Broncos and when he did that, he brought with him a Patriots former videographer who had been involved in all things Spygate. And he ended up taping a, a bit of a walkthrough practice of the 49ers before the Broncos played them. And the Broncos found out about this, turned themselves in into the NFL. Everybody got in trouble and it came, became a big story. And at that point, I just really you know, Spygate had already happened, obviously the mm -hmm. big thing with the Patriots. And I just wondered, man, you know, this is the second thing that I know of that's gone on, um, that it was, you know, kind of a scandal. And I was like, I wonder how much stuff goes on in the NFL and how much of a history of this there is. So I just started doing my own research over the internet, realized that there's a lot of really great stories out there, but you have to really hunt for them. Yeah. And I'd been wanting to write a book for a long time. And I said, you know what? This would be a great subject for me with my background, you know, a master's in sports management um, and, you know, intelligence studies together. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and just see what happens. And so I spent, I, I spent six, seven years, re you know, researching um, wow. all the material and writing um, everything for the book, but, uh, so it was, it was a labor of love, but it was, it, it was a, it was a big project. It was labor. You know? Yeah, it was a labor. Yeah. 
I, th I think that kind of is going to kind of lead me to my next question. Like how pervasive of a problem is this in the NFL? Like, you know, coaches are always trying to get an advantage. I know uh, the Miami Dolphins, I think, had one of their practices secretly recorded just a few weeks ago. And I think the coaches were kind of showing them some things that they weren't actually going to do in a game because it was leaked mm -hmm. out. Right. Is this stuff still going on today? Because Spygate wasn't all that long ago. No, it wasn't. And so, you know, I, this is this opponent spying on your team is something that coaches have to be worried about 24 seven. Absolutely. It, it goes on, you know, the techniques and the tactics that various teams use or that may fall in and out of vogue throughout the league. Yeah. There it's going to change over time. Okay. But what I am absolutely convinced after doing the research into this book is that gathering information on opponents, trying to get that game day advantage takes place 365 days a year. It does not stop. And, you know, and there's some stuff that is, that is legal that goes on. Um, so, you know, that is constantly um, taking place such as advanced scouting, you know, and, and film study is a big part of that to be able to figure out what are the tendencies of your opponents so that when a third and three takes place, you know, statistically what is most likely to happen. Right. Um, and then you get debriefs, bringing in players off of other teams' practice squads or that have been recent, recently been released to try to figure out everything you can about the opponent. You know, hey, what is this? You know, it can be, it can be tells, it can be tendencies, it can be what is your quarterback, what kind of defense does he just hate to play? Mm -hmm. um, or what does he struggle against? Or signs you know, especially audible signs, um, all of that stuff. They're going to try to learn off of debriefing players, uh, signals collection still absolutely goes on. And while, you know, the Patriots got busted for Spygate for recording other team signals, but if you're not recording it, everything's perfectly legal. Okay. And okay. then, um, open source media collection going through and, you know, looking what, what coaches and players may have revealed on radio shows, TV shows, uh, newspaper interviews that could be of an advantage because sometimes they let information slip that they really, that shouldn't be put out there. And, and teams are allowed, uh, are given an advantage and can prepare for something that may be unexpected, such as, oh, they just revealed that this player is injured and not going to be playing on Sunday. Mm. Or the starting quarterback, when there's a controversy, is going to be, you know, player X versus player Y. And so all of those are things that teams have to worry about all the time. And it takes place nonstop throughout the league. You, you answered one of the questions that was on my list here, because I was going to ask, okay, well, what would be considered permissible? And it is mm -hmm. crazy to think, okay, we're going to bring a guy in and, you know, pay him for however long on a contract, 10 days or whatever, just right. to kind of milk information from him. But I mean, it, you know, NFL is, you know, $5 billion industry, almost $6 billion industry. You know, I get it. I understand. But when does it kind of cross the line from what would be considered permissible to impermissible? Yeah, like you talked about video recording, like what the Patriots did. Um, yeah. What are maybe some other examples where it's like, okay, this is clearly, you know, the pardon the pun out of bounds. Like we cannot do this. Sure. Um, so listening devices. Okay putting a listening device in another team's uh, headquarters or on their, um, on their sidelines or in the locker room. 
you know, all of those things are stuff that, well, Peyton Manning last year, he said, you know, when I went to Foxborough, I was worried about there being a listening device or a hidden camera in the locker room. And so he preferred not to talk at all about strategy in the locker room. When he had to, he would like, if he, if he had to talk to his wide receivers, he would drag them into the shower room. I would imagine to turn on the water, to be able to mask the noise wow. and, and talk to them that way, you know, and he's far from, you know, um, you know, the fear of listening devices, you know, it went back Al Davis. That was mm -hmm. a concern that coaches had of Al Davis. Um, there's been, um, you know, some allegations that the Patriots potentially taped up uh, some of their linemen and put basically wired them up. Like you see, you know, FBI do on stings to be able to overhear the audible calls of other teams, wow. right? Or to be able to use a high powered microphone with their video cameras to be able to get a, you know, to be able to overhear what those audible calls are. So all of these things are threats that have absolutely taken place. Um, headset tampering is another big fear. You know, teams constantly saying, hey, you know, my headset's out. I can't hear, I can't hear what the coach, what play the coach is calling in. That's a big, that's a big worry. And, you know, these headsets are protected by military level encryption. So everybody's going, wow. well, can you really tamper with them? Right. But, you know, I, I, I think I've cracked the code on how it can be done. It's in the book and it's not that complicated. It really isn't. And I got it because I put together pieces of information about other types of activity that were taking place. And I was going, well, if they're doing that. They could do this too. So mm. I won't give that away, one away, uh, right. but I'm pretty sure it takes place and I'm pretty sure I know how teams do it um, as well. So, you know, and so these are some of the illicit techniques that ostensibly go on in the NFL, but then there's other stuff that's in the gray, such as mm. elicitation, right? Trying to talk to people, striking up a conversation, whether that's, you know, hey, uh, we're going to send a good looking girl into a bar to try to strike up a conversation with a player of another team in order to get information out of them or using lip readers to try to see what coaches are saying when they're calling in plays. I interviewed a guy to see if that was a legitimate threat. Um, a you know, and Oh my goodness, the guy was incredible. Um, he was referred to me as the Michael Jordan of lip readers and by golly, <laughs> he was so good. Uh, so it absolutely is something that teams have to worry about. And so, you know, these are just some, you know, sifting through trash cans in locker rooms, looking for paperwork or even mm -hmm. through hotel rooms. Right. Um, you know, these are all, all fears, use of drones, which is kind of, uh, that's probably more on the illicit side, mm -hmm. but, you know, to be able to spy on other teams practices and, and spying on practices. That's a big illicit one that has been done throughout the history of the league. You know, sure. it can be as simple as hiding a player near the practice field to using a, using a drone to hiring out a, a hiring, you know, renting out a hotel room and putting, you know, up on the 20th floor and then using high powered binoculars or, you know, a video camera to look and see what's going on down below, um, you know, to to literally dressing people up as spies. You know, I've got it in the book. 
you know, dress teams, you know, Paul Brown, the coach of the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. dressed up members of his team as reporters to go in and spy on other teams' practices. I've got other stories of teams use, dressing their coaches up as Marines. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, the, the story of, uh, you know, a little person being pushed in a stroller um, because no one would suspect a woman playing the role of her mom and, mm-hmm. and, a, and, a, and a baby, I'll put that in quotes, you know, yeah. being spies. But all of this has allegedly taken place in the NFL's history. So I think I know the answer, but do you think teams actually invest into this to a certain degree where, I mean, no, you can't have a budget item for espionage. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it sounds like, you know, this is more than just, uh, all right, you know, maybe we'll put a drone in the air and, and or, or just try to, you know, secretly just try to be next to a locker room or something. I mean, this seems like a little bit more high level than that. So did you find anything in your research where teams were really kind of investing, you know, financially to kind of have their own kind of spying unit or anything? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, let's take the Patriots, for example. Okay, so they've got a guy named Ernie Adams mm-hmm. on their staff who's been with Bill Belichick um, since the get-go. Those guys are like high school buddies. And uh, two of the greatest minds in the NFL – and what Ernie Adams does, he's like, he handles fresh, special projects, okay, for the Patriots, okay? But, you know, he was with Belichick during his days as the head coach of the Browns. Okay. And um, the Browns owner at the time said, hey, I, I forget the sum, but it was like, like $100,000 or something. It was a big chunk of money. He said, you know, I'll pay anybody $100,000 if they can tell me what Ernie Adams does for this team because I don't know, Okay which just goes to show sometimes teams have these guys on the books and not even the owners know what's taken place. Okay. So yeah, a lot of times this collection is done by, well, it can happen in a lot of ways. It can happen by members of the coaching staff or interns. Okay. okay? That happens all the time. It can happen by it's often directed by an offensive, a, a coordinator or a head coach and they'll task or assign a lower level person on the team to, especially if it's going to be some nefarious activity to take Mm -hmm. care of it. Right. Because do they want to get in trouble for this? Oh, heck no. And furthermore, they're easily recognizable. They need someone who's not going to stand out. Right. If they're spying on the, you know, spying next to a practice field or something on those lines, they can also hire out the services of a private company to get this done. That takes place. Okay. When it comes to surveillance operations, Um, when it comes to trying to identify, Hey, do we have listening devices in our locker room teams, bring in professionals to sweep and try to see and discover and look into that. You know, Mike Shanahan said he used to do that quite frequently with a whole variety of different teams. Wow. And then some teams have professional former, um, well, first of all, they have guys that are a lot of teams that are the security apparatus for the team that are former FBI agents that have okay. some training in, you know, how to make sure that protecting team information, right? But then also um, some teams, you know, they, they bring in professional services um, of, you know, former intelligence officers to be able to help. Uh, the Raiders under Al Davis had a guy named Ron Wolf, who was a scout, um, but he was a former, he did a lot of things, um, but he was also a former intelligence officer who worked in East Berlin. And so with him, he would not only 
gather information on prospects, college prospects, but he would gather information on what other teams, what is their assessments of other prospects. And he was so good at putting all the information together that he could pretty much tell just about who every team was going to take, uh, what player they were going to take at various points of the draft. And he would even calculate not only their needs, but he would know their assessments of the player, the team needs, and furthermore, how good are they at collecting information as a team to know what other teams know about the same prospect and to know how they need to move around the draft. I mean, the guy basically knew it all because he was trained to do this by the U.S. government and he was leagues above the capabilities of everybody else, which gave, you know, the Raiders a big plus when it came to the draft. And, you know, mm. and Al Davis was known as, you know, he was the master of the personnel department for a very long time. Sure. And this was just one of the techniques he used to be able to get that advantage. Wow. Unreal. So I know you, you really kind of focus in on the NFL in this book. And, and I'm going to assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe it might be a little bit more pervasive just because you're playing games weekly and there's so much lead up. Like, I mean, you know, I know in baseball with the Houston Astros and their cheating um, scandal, I, you know, supposedly I think they had some video or somebody in center field and they were able to figure out signs and then banging on trash cans. But I mean, in baseball, you're playing so many games, basketball, hockey, they're turning around so much. It doesn't feel like you hear it as much in those other sports as the NFL. Um, am I right about that? Or did you find anything from other sports where, hey, it's not just football, but this goes on everywhere? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. It's not as spying is not as pervasive in other sports as it is in football. And baseball is probably the most analogous sport to football okay. when it comes to that. Um, and the reason for that is free flowing sports like hockey, soccer, basketball. They don't have all those pauses between, right? There's no set play. It's just play continues on. It keeps going. It doesn't stop. No. And it doesn't allow coaches to control the game as it does in football, right? And when a coach can control the game, it allows other teams to be able to potentially decipher what the incoming play is mm -hmm. through stealing signals, through overhearing what's on the headsets, through deciphering um, audibles, through lip reading, through you know all of these various techniques. So a lot of things that take place in football when it comes to information collection are just simply, you, you really can't do it in these, these free flowing sports. Okay. What I will say it is every bit as pervasive in division one football, at least among the top teams as it is in the NFL, it's different um, because there's some different, there's different rules mm -hmm. and, um, and just the situation is there, right? Like take, you know, practice fields are by and large on college campuses which means spying on your opponents is way easier. Sure. Uh, and furthermore, and there's different rules like advanced scouting. Most of the time you can't advance scout your opponents. You can study their film, but you can't actually send scouts. Now the team yep. still can send scouts. Oh heck yeah, they do. Um, but a lot of times they may be, you know, a, um, you know, a low level person of the team, a fan, a, you know, um, someone who's not connected to the team directly, a booster who's going to come back and report all this stuff. So it's different. So that's what my next book is about, is about spying in college football, which has even a longer history than the NFL. 
And um, I think the really unique thing there is, you know, I've got a chapter and uh, I've got a section in Spies on the Sidelines about how teams gather information for the draft. Well, my next book is how do they gather information for recruiting? And, and everything, the recruiting world is so much dirtier than anything that goes on in the NFL. It's, it's almost to the point it's sickening as a fan. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. It's funny when you said college athletics, that was the first thing that I thought of was, yeah, it's one thing, you know, knowing tendencies and, and what the other team's going to do. Um, but the recruiting aspect of it and just how you could really manipulate that and, and nobody know um, it would be really, really fascinating. Um, you know, kind of back to the NFL though, is there anything that the NFL is doing or anything that they've put in place that you were able to research to help kind of um, stop some of this or, or limit some of the espionage that goes on between teams? I mean, there are at times, like, you know, okay. with, after Spygate, obviously, um, you know, the, the NFL, I won't even say it's a rule, but they've sent out a memo uh, that said, okay. hey, you're not to record other team signals. So sometimes they do stuff like that. Um, there are uh, very limited rules about the matter, you know, such as using um, – listening devices, you know, there's no recording material inside of locker rooms, you know, it, you know, between certain hours before and after a game and all this type of stuff. Having said that, by and large, the NFL operates off of, you know, basically good conduct rules. Um, mm. You know, college football has the same type of thing. Hey, we expect that you will represent the NFL in a good manner. And if you don't, you are subject to punishment, basically, you know, and um, and so it's largely at the discretion of the NFL commissioner at times about what he's going to punish and what he is not. So, you know, when it came to the, to the Miami incident where, um, you know, there was a hurricane down in Florida, Miami mm -hmm. had to go practice in Cincinnati. Uh, they went to the university of Cincinnati, held a practice and someone on that campus filmed some of the dolphins walk through practice and put it out on Twitter. And so the NFL looked into this, you know, they want to determine, Hey, is this something that, you know, where the Bengals involved potentially were, you know, and there was no sign of anything like that. Most likely it was just a Bengals fan who recorded it and put it up. Right. But they did, they looked into it to see, Hey, is this something that we need to potentially, you know, look into and punish for this. Um, but at other times throughout the NFL's history, what I'll tell you is they don't want to get involved. Um, mm. They, you know, they're very reluctant to get involved for certain things and um and teams furthermore even teams are often very reluctant to report other teams um mm. so if they know if they you know know or suspect that another team has for instance spied on their practice they may or may not go to the league and bring it up well why not yeah well you know, if you live in a glass house, you don't want to throw rocks, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's I've got some examples in my book where one team turns in another team and they're like, oh, yeah? Okay. Well, first of all, we didn't do that. But hypothetically, if we did, you might want to examine yourself because you're doing X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, and then the league's looking at them going, well, are you doing that? To, you know, and then it's like, yeah. uh okay, well, we, you know, we can just drop this whole matter, you know? And so it's, it's, um, you know, there's enough nefarious or at least questionable activity taking place in the NFL where, um, 
yeah, teams are are very reluctant to 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 be those guys um, ratting ratting out their opponents. Wow! If you can think of like one story that kind of stuck out uh, as you were writing this book, was there anything that that you researched and saw that was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable that a team would go to this type of a length uh, just to try to gain an advantage. Yeah, I, I've got quite a few of them in the book, but I'll give you one example. Okay. So Sid Gilman, he was, he was a great coach for the chargers mm-hmm. and they were, he was, the chargers were playing in the AFL. This is before the AFL NFL merger, right? Okay. Playing in the AFL championship game against the Patriots. Okay. So Sid Gilman calls up the Patriots head coach, coach Holoback and says, Hey, AFL championships game is going to be here in San Diego. You come on down and don't worry about everything the week before for all the practices. I've got everything set up for you. You can practice on a Marine base. Okay. So coach Holovac's like, Oh, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So they come down and everything is, it's all set up for them. It's wonderful. They even have some Marines um, that are willing to, they coordinate with some Marines to help out and, you know, whatever they need, whatever assistance they need on that base, or, you know, you guys need water refreshments. You guys need to know where various things are. These Marines will help you out, show you everything. Okay. Well, what they don't know is a couple of these Marines are actually Chargers assistant coaches that have been dressed up in uniform who spy on everything taking place that week, learn all of the Chargers offensive and defensive plays. And so as a result, the Chargers absolutely crushed the Patriots. I think it was like 50, it was 50 something or 60 something to seven. Okay. The Chargers, this is in the Mm sixties. The Chargers gain over 600 yards of offense in the sixties. Okay. The only way that the Patriots ever score is when their quarterback, Babe Perilli comes to the huddle and just designs a play that like we used to do as kids, you know, you draw it in the (laughs) dirt. Like, hey, nothing we're doing is working, so I'm just going to make this thing up and let's give this a whirl. And it does. It works because the Chargers aren't anticipating it. They haven't seen it. It goes for a touchdown. Um, But I think it just goes to show how overwhelming that spying done well Mm. can be for opponents. And furthermore, how far teams are willing to go to get that advantage. Wow. Uh uh, unreal. Um, well, I, I'm going to advocate people. They, they got to check this book out if it's piquing their interest. Um, they can go to spiesonthesideline.com. And then, Kevin, if they wanted to find you anywhere else on social media and, and learn more about you, learn more about the book, where could they go? Yeah. Um, so my Twitter handle is Kev, K-E-V, Bryant Author. Um, I've got all my social media handles on my website, um, spiesonthesidelines.com. There's more about me. There's lots more about the book there. Um, that's the easiest way. The book is out on, um, I've got hardback, electronic version, and also an audio book. Um, it's out there on Barnes and Noble, Books A Million, Amazon. Okay. You, you know, it's, 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 it's out on all the major platforms that you want. Yeah, so give it a whirl. And I know you probably, I'm guessing you probably have some sports management professors that uh, listen, you know, um, so I'll just give it a quick plug for that. If, you know, if you're a professor and you're interested in using the book for your classroom, I think it makes a really great case study uh, for anyone who's doing an intro class, an ethics class, sports law classes, right? 
any of those type of topics. And, um, and I'm more than willing to jump on with your class and to, to chat as well and have a discussion with them about the subject. So, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's something it's new and it's different, but having a, you know, having gone through a master sports management program myself, um, you know, I, it's a, it's a little studied subject, but I think mm. it's, it's very important. It's very applicable. And if you're a, you know, if sports management is your field, this is something that you have to be worried about, not just in football, but in lots of professional and collegiate sports. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an, an area, area of focus that is, is worthy of study. Yeah. In the business world too. I mean, we hear stuff about this yeah. happening all the time, you know, with fortune 500 companies. So, um, but I do think, yeah, for sport management uh, students, it's a little bit more palatable to see it happening in something like the NFL where you can kind of relate to it a little bit better. So mm-hmm. um, again, that the website at spies on the sideline.com spies on the sidelines with s.com. You can check it out there. You can see all the places to purchase it and, and how to get a hold of, uh, of Kevin and, and maybe learn about when that new book is coming out um, on, on college athletics and the spying going on in, in college football. Um, but Kevin really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our social media pages for our next guest on November 10th. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.